is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Let's get started, I think, with the best game of the night. And that was in Anaheim between the Ducks and the Kings. The game won in overtime by the Kings 4-3. to You're kicking yourself if you're Anaheim. That rivalry game, a lot of Kings fans in the building. And they jump right out to a 2-0 lead getting the first goals of the year from Bowl and Vanton. And Jared Bowl's not somebody that's there to score goals. You got a 2-0 lead. Then Kopitar scores to make it 2-1. But in the second period, Raquel gets his sixth of the year to make it 3-1. And it looks like they're on their way to a romp. But maybe the goal of the game comes from Kempe. It comes late in period number two with 59 seconds to go to make it 3-2. And to me, that changed the complexion of the game. And in the third period, Dustin Brown comes out, scores an early goal to to tie it at three, and then just a great play in overtime. Nick Shore gets his second from Brown and Quick. Now you're wondering, how does Quick get the assist on the play? Well, it was an innocent play. It's to the right of Quick, and there's a scrum. And I just I went back and watched it a couple of times just to see exactly what happened because Brown just came out of the scrum and just had more speed. And I don't know if the Ducks got caught out. Silverberg looks like he pinches to try to get the puck out of the scrum, so he's kind of caught pinching. Brown comes out of the scrum with the puck, and he's able to find Nick Shore on the two-on-one, and Shore finishes it off for the 4-3 win. So great win for the Kings. I thought the Kempe goal was tremendous. If you're going to be a good team in this league, and you're seeing it with Vancouver, and we'll get into that in just a second, you're going to need guys to produce that you weren't expecting. You know, for Adrian Kempe to have seven goals, that's huge for the Kings. So Dustin Brown's had a resurgence. Kopitar has a resurgence. Quick has been terrific. But if you're able to get seven goals from Kempe, that's a little bit of a different story. So a nice win for the Los Angeles Kings and a tough one for the Ducks. They're struggling as far as getting um, guys healthy. They're 6-6 and 3, and the Kings just a bit impressive at 11-2-2. and uh, speaking of the Canucks, they win 5-3 over the Flames. Th- this was also a very interesting game. A lot of back and forth in this one. Gagne gets Vancouver on the board early, but Dougie Hamilton and Johnny Gaudreau score in the first and second period, respectively. And it looks like they're off and running. Vanek scores to tie it at 2. Furlan scores to make it 3-2 for the Flames. And then that guy again, Derek Dorsett, gets his seventh of the year, uh, gets a feed from Sutter, Basically, Dorsett just runs into the puck. They actually had to take a look to see if he kicked it in. He didn't. So another area where, hey, am I going to get Derek Dorsett to score seven goals for me? That's going to be special. So they got a tie game going into the third period. It kind of just ignited, I thought, the Canucks at that point because the goal comes with a minute 40 to go. So the Flames are thinking they're getting into the third period to protect the lead at home. So now it's tied at three. Horvat comes out early to get his sixth. Uh, Henrik Sedin gets his first. All that happened early in the third period, and then it just kind of calmed down from there. And a nice win for the um, for the Vancouver Canucks as they continue to really impress. Looked like things were going to settle down for them in just a, a bit, but you know, right now eight five and two. That's a nice road win for them. The Canadians, a 3-2 win over the Golden Knights. So Montreal, just like the Rangers, starting to get close. Rangers are at NHL 500 at 7-7-2. The Canadians now 7-8-1. Pacioretty scores again. Uh, and boy, this was a humbling road trip for uh, the Golden Knights. 1-4-1 and one on the trip. So they did get three points. 
Um, Brad May was on their post-game show talking about how there were some positives. They were in just about every one of the games. So they didn't completely collapse. They did steal a couple of points. They beat Ottawa. They got a point in Toronto. Would have been nice to see if they could have gotten a point last night in Montreal. But they were never really in the game. Um, they only got uh, within 3-2 very close in the contest. So Pacioretty's been the story. He's kind of turned it around. He's been the Chris Kreider of the Rangers where he's now starting to find his groove. So Montreal playing much better. Kind of a dud for the Blue Jackets. I was a little surprised. Thought they would bounce back after the loss to the Rangers, but the Predators beat them uh, by the final score of 3-1. to one. This was another fun and interesting game. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois gets his second to tie it up at one, uh, but then you didn't really hear too much of the Blue Jackets from then. Uh, they did get 36 shots on goal, so uh, definitely tip your cap to Pecorine, uh, who was able to make uh, some saves in that one. But uh, certainly not the um, performance that I thought I would see from the Columbus Blue Jackets, who now were one of the surprises early. Uh, they've suffered some injuries here, and now they're very close to 500 now at 9-6-1, and one, and the Predators starting to find their groove. Uh, Carolina's been an interesting team, and I had this team pegged to go to the playoffs, and they did win last night 3-1. to one. Um, McGinn gets a goal. Uh, Derek Ryan gets a goal. Justin Williams gets a goal. Trocek, the only offense for Florida. And we'll talk about them a little bit when we get into your um, into your tweets. But Carolina, 48 shots on goal. They get a tremendous amount of shots. They just don't get a lot of finish. And I think I'd like to see that change a little bit. Maybe it will. Uh, but right now, I, I look at the Panther, the, 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 the Hurricanes. I knew you were going to do that with the whole NFL thing. Um I, I think Carolina is a good team. They're five, five, and three. Haven't played a lot of games. Thirteen is kind of on the short end in the NHL. But when if, if these shots turn into some finish for the Hurricanes, I'm telling you, they're going to be good. Uh, Penguins with a three-one win over the Coyotes. Just too much for Arizona at this point. They're just not good enough uh, to be able to to win those types of games. Penguins ended up having 37 shots on goal. Uh, Schultz, Schultz, Malkin with the goals, and, and, and Phil Kessel put it away with his fifth of the season. Uh, Reader, the only one to get a goal for the Coyotes. There, it's, it's too much to ask right now for Arizona, with a new coaching staff, with a new system struggling this year, to expect for them to be able to go to Pittsburgh and win a game. Another great game last night in Brooklyn. Oilers beat... The Islanders 3-2. If you're looking for something to salivate over the highlights, the overtime goal, it's not so much the goal by McDavid, which was a sharp angle shot, which was a tremendous play by him, but it was the fact that Dreisaitl was able to get the puck to him was a real spectacular play. Uh, the Islanders get a point. So Dreisaitl gets a goal and an assist, so he's the star of the game. Jordan Eberle continues to stay hot as he picks up his fifth goal of the season. Uh, but a tough one for the Islanders, but a good one for Edmonton. I'll get a chance to see them on Saturday. going to play the Devils but between now and the Saturday afternoon game. Uh, speaking of the Devils, they lose to the Blues 3-1. to Watched a lot of this game. Uh, the Devils got an early lead uh, on a Blake Coleman goal, his second of the year. They took three penalties in the first period. Tarasenko comes back and ties the game uh, late in the second period. The, the Devils almost got out of Dodge. And again, kind of like Calgary, right? If you're going into overtime with a lead, a little bit of a different story. But then Tarasenko gets the goal, and then it was all St. Louis in the third period. Again, power play goal early. So this all turned uh, with a minute and three seconds to go in the second period when Tarasenko scores. And then 32 seconds in, Jaden Schwartz scores his ninth, and he's been great for the Blues. And then the empty netter by Braden Shen put it away. But... 
I mean, the Blues are just too good a team to give them five power play opportunities. They converted on just one, but you know, three power play opportunities in the first period, so you couldn't get that insurance goal you were looking for. So that's a tough one for New Jersey. Uh, can't get too crazy. First game after a long road trip, they went out east, uh, west to Canada for three games. So kind of a dud for them in the 3-1 loss. And how about R.J. Santillo's Buffalo Sabres? A 3-1 win over the Washington Capitals. Where did that come from? Yeah, how about that? Evander Kane, who I think they're going to have to trade, right? I mean, this is a guy that if you're going to really start to rebuild, I'm not sure you can do it, Evander Kane, but he's got eight goals. Ovechkin gets his 13th to tie it. But this is the surprise that they dominate the third period. Benoit Pouliot gets the game-winning goal. Evander Kane adds an insurance uh, tally into the empty net. He now has nine goals. So if I'm the powers that be at Buffalo, Evander Kane's available. I'm still in the midst of this rebuild. I've just given Eichel a big contract. I've got a lot of good young players. Evander Kane, to me, doesn't fit into what they're trying to do. But Evander Kane can really fit on a team that's got some structure, a good room, a team that just needs a final piece. I'm not sure that Evander Kane's a guy you want to build around. That's just my opinion. Great player, but I just think that that is maybe the extra piece that you can use if you're Buffalo to get the pick, to get the young player. And with him scoring nine goals, if there's a team out there that needs a goal scorer, like let's say you're Carolina and you have a chance to make the playoffs and you feel you're short, a forward, that's a guy that maybe you can go out and get. So I would take a good look at that uh, as being a possible trade down the road for the Buffalo Sabres. Let's take a look at the schedule tonight. Just three games, Maple Leafs. They got that big win to, to avoid 500 earlier in the week against Vegas in the shootout, taking on a wild team that's still trying to find themselves. Bruins, they'll have six rookies in the lineup tonight, going to go with the same lineup they did against the Wild. Lots of guys hurt for them. Krejci's hurt. Um, they've got injuries with um, with Marshand, so he's out of the lineup. So they've got six rookies. I'll have the call on 1050 ESPN New York. The Knicks are going to be on 98.7. I'll have the call with Dave Maloney. That game is 8 o'clock. That's the NBC uh, rivalry game. Charlie McAvoy playing in his first NHL game in Madison Square Garden. I had a chance to interview him this morning. I sent some pictures out on Twitter, and he is going to be a feature interview in the pregame with Dan Grassa. Um, he's got a ton of Long Beach representing at the Garden. Grew up a Ranger fan, getting a chance to play at Madison Square Garden for the second time. Played there in college when BU played Cornell. Actually had an assist in that game. But he's playing his first game in the NHL, and it's crazy, right? He was born in Zdeno Chara's rookie season, and they are the top pairing. So a 19-year-old and a 40-year-old playing for the Bruins, and it's going to be kind of fun. A late game tonight, second game of the doubleheader on NBC Sportsnet as the Sharks play host to the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll not see Eddie O, unfortunately. Uh, he's not on the trip for NBC Sportsnet, so it'll be Mike Milbury and Doc Emmerich with the call. Let's hear from you. Game misconduct at Don LaGreca is what you want to do with the hashtag game misconduct. And Guy starts us off tonight at MSG. I will be there hoping the Rangers win a game, but I'll be looking and rooting for the Bruins number 73 to play well and hopefully score one. You only have one first game at MSG. Make the best of it, Charlie. Good luck. So sending out his best wishes to Charlie McAvoy. Such a good kid. Uh, so Doc and I were both kind of peppering him with questions. Started playing uh, hockey at the age of six for the Long Beach Apple Corps. Played forward. Eventually he moved to defenseman a little bit later on in his career. And uh, they tried to move him back to forward. He said, I like it back here. So uh, he was able to take his way 
to the NHL with that. James says, any news on the Islanders move to Belmont? I know I asked before, but this worries me as an Islander fan. Still no word, I think, if they are going to stay that seems to be the destination more than City Field. You're hearing some rumors about further reconstruction to uh, the Coliseum out in Nassau. I will put my ear to the ground and try to get as best information as I can for you. Uh, Courtney says, is the power play success of the Rangers hiding some of the bigger flaws on defense and low-scoring five-on-five? Either way, good to see them back on the right track at 500. Sorry if you talked about this already. Missed a couple of episodes. Hey, listen, we can repeat ourselves here on Game Misconduct. Always new listeners. I did mention it after the game that they won against Columbus that, hey, you go three for five on the power play, that's great, but you'd like to play a little better five-on-five. You don't want to have to rely on getting power play goals, but baby steps for this team right now. They got back to 500. They're starting to come together. Sabanajad's been great. Kreider's been great. Bushnevich has been great. JT Miller has been quiet good, I think, for this team. And of course, you know what Shattenkirk can do on the power play. So maybe it's masking some of the things. They're not all the way back, Courtney, but they're starting to get there. And you, you've got a, a banged-up Bruin team tonight for a chance to get above 500, and then we'll see what we do with the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday afternoon before the Rangers hit the road for a few. They've got to go to Chicago. They've got to go to Columbus, Carolina. They've got a few road games coming up in the next couple of weeks. Jake says, hey, Don, who do you think is the most underrated player in the NHL? Wow, that's a very, very good question because there's quite a few players that you can bring up as underrated um I think Kuznetsov in Washington is very underrated. You hear so much about Backstrom and Ovechkin, but I think Kuznetsov is very good. You could have said Kucherov, but he's scoring so many goals now, it's hard to say that he is underrated. You look at the, some of the teams locally that you see, um, You know the Devils have some good young players, but I wouldn't say anybody's really underrated. Palmieri maybe, but he's been hurt. It's a really good question. Go around the NHL and take a look at some of the stars that maybe are a bit underappreciated. That is an outstanding question, and I'm going to take a look at just some of the the teams here. Um, I think you know you can make a, uh, that Hoffman is very underrated in Ottawa. Doesn't get a lot of play as far as how good he is. Um, Skinner in Carolina, although I do think he gets some love. Let me throw some names at you here with, with Florida. We talked about this before. Trocheck, I think, is a star. I think Barkoff is a star, but they're in Florida. People don't really pay that much attention to them. So I, I get that. I think Horvat in Vancouver, I think he's appreciated in Canada, probably not around the National Hockey League. Raquel in Anaheim, I think, is a player that might be a little underappreciated. I would have said Patrick Maroon in Edmonton. He's having a little bit of a slow year. But just some of the names off the top of my head. Good question, Jake. Uh, Ryan says, some some game last night for the Edmonton Islanders game, not the result that I wanted, but I'll take the point. McDavid is just nasty. How fun has it been to watch Matt Barzell so far? Kid has a super bright future. So true. And the five assists he had the other night, you got to feel good about where the Islanders are going with some of their young kids. I know so much is looked upon as, you know, is Tavares going to stay? Are they going to stay out in Brooklyn? Are they going to move somewhere? But they got you know, some young people. I think Hosang can be a player. So there's a lot of really good players you can sink your teeth into there. Liam says, you and EJ said that scoring in the league is due to guys having some space to make plays. So is Hank playing uh, dipping? Or is it just a victim of the higher-scoring league? Well, I think it's a combination of both, Liam. He is going to be 36 in March. 
I think you have to make adjustments. I talked to John Davidson in the second intermission on um, on Monday for the Columbus game, and he says, you know, you're 35, 36, you're going to have to start making some adjustments because and, and, you're not going to be able to do athletically where you're able to do 10, 12 years ago. So I think it's a combination. It's more of an offensive league, and he's got to make the adjustment as he's getting older here. Um, so is his play dipping? Sure, just like any goaltender is going to have his play dip once he gets to the wrong side of 35. Uh, Jake says another huge shot total for the Canes last night. The goal's coming soon. 60 in Colorado, 48 last night. That's usually the case. I, I can't say that I've watched every minute, Jake, to see the kind of quality of the shots they've had in the last couple of games. But when you get 60 shots, you get 48 shots to me. That means you're spending time in the offensive zone. So the goals, I do think, are about to happen. Uh, Jordan says, hey, Don, I asked yesterday about the Blackhawks and their defense. Another question I have is, what do you think is the best pairing to go with Taves on the first line? And should Q try the power play without Keith? After watching every game so far, I think they should try it. I mean, you would know better than me. You watched a lot. Of, I watched a lot of Sunday's game against the Canadians. I uh, haven't gotten that much of a thought to know, like, different line combinations. I do think that sometimes when you talk about playing Kane and Taves together, it's very similar to when you're playing Crosby and Malkin together where you're putting all your eggs in one basket. So I understand the separation there as far as what can work on the power play. Uh, give me a little bit more time to watch them. I'm going to see them against the Rangers next Wednesday. That's going to be another Wednesday night rivalry game as they get those original six matchups tonight. Um, and next week, and maybe I'll be able to give you a little bit of a better answer. Marcelo has a question that I wonder as well. Damon Severson has been a healthy scratch a few times since making his debut. Is his defense inconsistency more attributed to the type of player that he is, or is he just still some growing pains? Can be a future top-pairing defenseman? I think so. I mean, I look at the blue line for the Devils, and I see some really good young players. I see Butcher. I see Santini. I mean, obviously Green's getting a little bit older, but I was kind of curious to see Severson as a healthy scratch last night. Uh, I'm not really sure why that is. Maybe there are some growing pains. Maybe they just felt that a matchup against the Blues, who are a little bit of a heavier team than a quick team. Maybe that was just something that Hines wanted to do. I'll try to look more into that. Uh, Matt Gold says, more injury woes for the Ducks. Getzloff out two months and Fowler and Kessler not expected for another month or so. With the implosion against the Kings, is it time to panic or is there hope? Well, I opened with it and you brought up a great point just how banged up they are. Got to hold on to a 3-1 lead. Still have some talented players there but let, let's be honest when you hear in sports about well injuries are not an excuse I mean I, uh, Getzloff's going to the Hall of Fame I mean Fowler's one of the best offensive defensemen there are in the league I mean Kessel he was brought here for a reason right you can't expect to play at the same level when you lose talented players like that Eves out of the lineup but you get a 3-1 lead and it's late in the second period you'd like to hold on to that lead but should you panic gotta start getting these guys back you take a look at the standings, right? And you look at the the West. It's still very early, but the Anaheim right now, they're one point out of a playoff spot, and it's Colorado who has that wild card. So it's not time to panic yet, but i got to be honest with you, as long as those guys are going to be out, it's going to be a different Duck team. It's not even close to the team that went to the conference final last year. Um, Maxson says, Lemieux or Wash should take the fourth spot on the Mount Rushmore. We talked about that before. I've got Maurice Richard as one of the four. Can't go wrong with Gretzky, Howe, and Orr. I've got Maurice Richard. 
EJ says Mario Lemieux. You say Mario Lemieux. If you feel like you had to get a goaltender there, to me, it's got to be Patrick Waugh. Bill Lewis says, how can the Florida Panthers get back on track? Well, um, excuse me, Bill Lewis says, how many of the three New York area teams do you think will make the playoffs? I'm going to say two, but I'm not going to tell you which two. I'm not sure. It's too early. Devils, Islanders, Rangers, all kind of in the same boat, but I do think we'll, 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 the Rangers will get in and maybe the Devils. Or the Islanders? Great question. Not sure. The Hockey 411 says, how can the Panthers get back on track? Goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. They got uh, Luongo back. They've got a good, a lot of good young players there. And give Bugner a chance. He's a first-year coach. Not going to flip out yet. But there's more talent there for Florida. They should be better. David has the same thing. Hey, Don, when you were covering Rangers Florida, did you get a sense of what was the home crown environment like from what little games I've seen of Florida? The empty seats make it seem like Panther fans aren't as engaged. Well, it's it's tough to say for two reasons. I called the game on Saturday. It's a weekend. So you're going to get a bigger crowd on the weekend, on a Saturday night. Two, it's the Rangers in town. So... You know, was the building full? No. I don't know what they announced the attendance as. I will look that up. I don't think they announced it as a sellout, nor should they have, because there were quite a few empty seats. But it wasn't a complete um, no-show like we saw at times where they announced 9,600 fans, and there's probably more like 6,000 fans uh, in the building. So let me pop the attendance up here. Uh, They never make it easy to find stuff on the NHL website. Here it is. I found game summary, and they announced 15,036, and it looked pretty much like it was 15,036, but there was probably six or 7,000 Ranger fans. So you get an original six team in there on a weekend, Florida's going to draw well. You get the Columbus Blue Jackets on a Tuesday, they're not going to draw well. See, this is the problem I have going to the southern markets. Now, I believe, and this is no offense to Florida, but do you really need two teams in Florida? I mean, Tampa's probably enough, right? Did you really need that second team? Did you really need you know, two teams in Southern California? Did you have to get crazy like that? But they're there, and certainly the Ducks have done a great job being that second team in California, and the Panthers did go to a final in 96, but not really much since then. Really, I think only one playoff, one or two playoff appearances since then, and they got bounced in the first round by the Devils and the Islanders in those two occasions. But here's what I hear. Oh, we want to go to Florida because all those snowbirds will go to the games. Yeah, they'll go to the games when the Bruins are in town, the Rangers are in town, the Flyers are in town, the Montreal Canadiens are in town, the Leafs are in town. But are they going to come to town when the Lightning are there? Clearly not. During the week, you had less than 10,000 people. When Columbus comes to town or Carolina comes to town or one of those non-traditional hockey markets play and you haven't been very good, it's tough to build. You know, that was my concern in Vegas. Are you going to get a lot of transplanted people from the East to go to the games? But what are you going to do when you get one of those non-East teams to play? So I just didn't like the whole structure. And if it continues to be this bad, no offense to any Panther fans out there, but there's other markets I think that you would do a better job. Chris says, concerning what Colorado received for Duchesne, what could the value be for Tavares if he's traded? And that is a very big if. Hextall has accumulated a lot of prospects and picks for the Flyers. Well, here's the difference, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that there was still another year for Duchesne, so they get him this year and next year to figure something out. Tavares is a free agent at the end of the year, so you might not get as much compensation for him. I would hate, I'm saying hate, to see the Islanders be forced to trade John Tavares. And what kind of value do you get when you know you're forced to trade him? 
Glenn says, in your opinion, based on what you've heard players say, what are the three top cities players want to play? Well, there's two questions. Where they want to play as far as to play in, as far as be on that team, or just a city to play? Because there might be two different questions. I, I, a lot of play, players love to play at Madison Square Garden. Do they want to play for the New York Rangers? I'd say yes. But do they, they love to play in Montreal? Do they want to play in Montreal and the pressure that comes for that? But I'm just going to answer it generically and say a combination of the two. New York, Montreal, those are two. Vancouver, those are the, those are the cities that I think that a lot of the players love as far as going to and atmosphere-wise. Chicago, tremendous atmosphere. But when you talk to players, it's always either New York or Montreal, the two places they love to play. Uh, New York probably because it's New York and also the fact that you have the the historic building and technically the oldest building in the National Hockey League now that um, all the, you know, the igloo's gone and all that, that it's still, even though they refurbished it, it's still technically the building from 1968. And Montreal, because just it's Montreal, Montreal's unbelievable. Let's go to Harold. Uh, I like how you brought up the Rangers' power play penalty kill percentage comparisons would love if you included more key statistical trends like that on game misconduct. Okay, I could do that for you. Well, you're always willing to ask about it, too. I kind of keep it treetops, but I'd love to be able to give you some statistical analysis when it is presented to me. Uh, I I think that's a great suggestion. Uh, James says, if the top three are given, who are the four top players outside of them? All right, meaning uh, what James is talking about, the Mount Rushmore, if you're going to say that Wayne Gretzky – and Mark and, and Gordy Howe and Bobby Orr are the given three, then what would be the other four? I think everybody that we've been suggesting. I have Maurice Richard, Mario Lemieux would have to be in that conversation. I think you would have to put Patrick Waugh in that conversation. I think that you would have Mark Messier uh, in that conversation. I think you would have to put guys like um, uh, Phil Esposito. I think you'd have to put... Um, when you look at like the really great defensemen of Brad Park, uh, there's so many really good players that you could bring up in that conversation. If you wanted to go modern day, and, and EJ brought this up on Monday, take a look at Sidney Crosby's stats. Considering that he played largely in a dead puck era, he has put up some t- statistics that have just been absolutely phenomenal. So. This is a lot of fun today. We got through a lot of tweets. I'm going to be calling the game tonight. Again, that's going to be on 10.50 a.m. because the Knicks are on 98.7. I'll have the call with Dave Maloney, Rangers, and the Bruins. So we'll recap that game among all the other games tomorrow. More of your tweets at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. More suggestions as well. The show, of course, is for you, so I want to do the best I can to have you have some fun on this show. So we'll be back with you again tomorrow. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.